Got it. Got it. <clears throat> right on. Cool. You want to jump in? Yeah, let's do it, man. All right. So first question. Well, you already have the question, but I'll, I'll read it out. So podcasting you said over the 2020, like what is it called? 2020 podcast directory. Podcast directory? Right. Yeah. Do you think it's better for a personal branding point of view to be the interviewer or the interviewee? And yeah, and I, I um, you know, in the beginning, I think it's the interviewee. Now, you've mm -hmm. got enough content. You've got enough content. But, and the reason for that is that you're um, uh, not because of your expertise, uh, but because of your age currently, mm -hmm. um, you're, um, the, there's a lot of domain expertise that, that um, you know, you not, aren't necessarily highly credible in domain expertise yet, mm -hmm. but your ability to know the question to ask and to be able to ferret out the good stuff from smart people mm -hmm. is very high. So, and I, in fact, I think, you know, it's, it's so interesting because I don't know if you know this or not, but I started doing research into Napoleon Hill recently because his work, uh, Master Key to Riches and Think and Grow Rich and, and right. the rest of those, um, I used to actually teach out of Master Key to Riches, the, you know, the 17 keys. And um, what I find out later, I just found out recently after doing some deep research because I hadn't really done a lot of deep research because when I got into them, the internet wasn't there yet. You know, it was mm -hmm. 1992, 93, 94, 95. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I come to find out, I didn't realize the guy was actually a charlatan. He, he actually, a, a lot of the things that showed up in, in, in Think and Grow Rich and Master Key to Riches, the interviews, there's no evidence to support that he did any of that. Okay. Didn't know that. So, yeah. Neither did I. Um, at the same time, it's still one of the most masterful books on success. It's mm -hmm. written, especially as you get into Master Key, it's written. In fact, he has a gold. In fact, I've got a copy of it. He's got a gold um, a, a bridged version. You know, it's got gold uh, edges on all the pages and gold lettering here and there. And, and um, because uh, it, 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 was, it almost read like a, like a spiritual biblical text or something similar. Mm -hmm. And um, right, as he got it, into the spiritual sides of it. And I, and a lot of it, you know, sexual transmutation, um, a lot of the stuff, uh, you know, building a, a, a you know, a, a board of directors, a, you know, a mentorship group of, of people that you think about, like, you know, Elon the Musk, and, group. you know, the, right. The mastermind group. Yeah. yeah. And all of that stuff applies. I mean, we, there's, you know, Tony Robbins and the rest of the personal development world have built huge organizations around those principles and they do work. Um, so anyhow, I, was, I thought it was an Interesting a side that, but what you did by aggregating, I mean, um, if in fact it was true, if in fact what Napoleon had, had done was true, you've done that in a one degree of separation way by getting the books, researching and doing the rest. And, and I, I think I was, when we were talking about that, there's, there's a, a handful of really cool people that I've met who have taken and aggregated that kind of content they boiled it down and they started things like, like executive summaries.com and, and other type of subscription basis where they basically, you know, they'll summarize a book every week or every month, mm -hmm. put it into anywhere from four to, to 16 pages or 20 pages and, you know, pull out the highlights and do the call outs and the rest of that, mm -hmm. which is really interesting. And, and it's kind of what you did except in summary. And so your product, the thing that you've got right now, that, it, it is a touchstone that you could use over and over and over 
to, um, especially as you, if you, let's say that you added one more page to each of the summaries that you did. Okay. That page was, it could be, it could be anywhere from a series of links to further research stuff, mm -hmm. or I think even more valuable would be your own insights on your experience of applying that individual's success methodologies and, um, or seeing them in practice mm -hmm. by people that you interview mm -hmm. who relate to it. And there's, you'll find that, that most of the successful people, at least that I've spent time with, mm -hmm. they, when they start um, talking about what their references are in life, there's very few that don't have some of those books that you have in your, uh, in your book. Mm -hmm. We don't, you know, mention those specifically as mm -hmm. life changers for them. And, and so that gives you a really nice warm jumping off point with them okay. and allows them to expand because some of these people have taken that material and, and used to just rocket fuel. They've, mm -hmm. some people look at it and they just glaze over. Some people look at it and they just set it down and they don't ever do anything applicable with it. Mm -hmm. And some people take it to the nth degree and they say, okay, mastermind group. Excellent. I'm going to start mastermind.com. I'm going to build groups. I have a, a good friend and a business partner who actually did that. Mm -hmm. And he, for 20 years, he's been building mastermind groups with people. Um, I know a con man that has done it as well. A guy that actually has been famous on TV and he's had his own private groups, executive groups, CEO type stuff, mm -hmm. who, um, who is as big a con man as anybody I've ever met. And I never thought he was until he was, but he's been featured on many, many, uh, TV shows and they actually had a recurring role because he he was a private eye at one time mm -hmm. and so he understands how people work when they have you know uh, alternative thoughts on how the world works mm -hmm. and he was able to kind of ferret it out but he's the biggest con man of all it's just crazy as you I'm sure you've seen these things before but mm -hmm. yeah so basically you, know, you take the concepts that you talk about you apply he them practices what he preaches mm -hmm. So basically what you're talking about is, so you take the concepts you talk about, you apply them to your real life, and then you talk about that, your experience with the actual concept. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Matt, Matt Davila, uh, Diavola, uh, Davila um, is one of the links that I sent on, at the end of that doc, a uh, YouTube link. Um, and uh, the other is, um, is uh, uh, there's two people that I, I find really resonant and I think you'll like them. One is an expat living in, I think he's living in Colombia. Okay. At this point. Um, and again, he's, a, you know, he's, I think he's from Salt Lake city. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, really, really cool guy. Um, he's in there as well. Uh, a drew, uh, Nathaniel drew. And I only, I ran into his stuff because I've, I've, I have a, a friend relationship with a guy. Oh, you're awesome. And uh, here, say, say hi to, say, yeah. So she just made me um, a fantastic. How's it going? <laughs> Cassidy Kingston. Hi Kingston. Nice to meet you. <laughs> hi Cassidy. She's great. Um, but but uh, so well, I, I toured around the US and Canada with Michael Drew, who is the number one um, bestseller maker in, in, you know, in the United States. Mm -hmm. And, um, and Nathan, Daniel Drew is his brother who runs a project in Salt Lake City. He's a musician who um, has a, a really cool, badass choral group that rewrites popular songs in, in choral format and, mm -hmm. and does these cool jazz, you know, it's, it's kind of a hip jazz chorus type thing he does. So I thought I was, I thought I was 
friending his YouTube channel. Turns out to be a completely different Nathaniel Drew, also okay. from the same neck of the woods, and mm -hmm. um, who happens to be an expat in Colombia, who's mm -hmm. writing about his principles of of um, what it's like to live in an environment where the what would be a you know a, a, an old minimum wage twenty years ago minimum wage allows him to live like a king there and also mm -hmm. to full time become a YouTuber. So kind of I mean very similar to what you're doing to a certain extent. Right. Mm -hmm. um, He'd be a great guy for you to, I think that you guys would really connect. Again, he's another one where it'd be valuable to friend him, mm -hmm. um, you know, like his stuff and start digging through his content to stuff that you really resonate on where you can really add some value and then doing your commentary on that. Mm -hmm. um, super nice guy, uh, very responsive too on okay. his likes and followers and those things. I've only, we've only had exchanges on, uh, on uh, text. Okay. So, but, and if, and if I can do a warm intro, I mean, any of the people I can do warm intro to, I'm, I'm making a list now mm -hmm. of people that I think it'd be great for you to uh, interview. Okay. Um, there's another guy, Brad Axel, Brad Axelrad, who I put his mm -hmm. channel on there. He doesn't have many views. He wasn't, he wasn't known for his YouTubing stuff. He was actually for live events and he's done big live events for people like Tony Robbins and others. Mm -hmm. um, he's a, he's, and he's a fantastic guy. He, uh, and he lives in Southern California. Mm -hmm. Newport Beach area. So I've known him for a few years, um, uh, uh, 10 years. We did some projects together where I, I did the social media activity for him. Mm -hmm. And then he booked up rooms full of hundreds of thousands of people and, and then hired all the speakers and things and did that. It's, he's really good at those dynamics. Mm -hmm. But he's a guy that, that um, you should definitely uh, get to know. Brad's great. He's, he's very funky, cool. Um, I, deeply committed to personal growth okay. and people. Um, what was his last there's name? There's a Axel Rad, A-X-E-L-R-A-D. Funky uh, name. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. And he's, and he's, again, he's a super good guy. He's also a former either semi-pro or pro mountain bike uh, downhill racer. Okay. And maybe, I think also motorcycles. I think he did dirt biking, uh, you know, pretty hardcore as well. So... Um, but yeah, but a super guy. Um, and then uh, uh, I've got, there's all these, all these, there's any, yeah, there's a bunch of people that I will, I will um, pen some, uh, some short intro emails, um, which will also be a good model. I've done so many introductions and I've been, I've had shitty introductions from people where they say, Hey, you should meet this guy. And you should meet this guy. And there's no mm -hmm. meat to it. So there's no reason mm -hmm. to respond. Right. I had one of those recently with a really great guy. And it doesn't matter how, great or important the person is if there's no reason for them to respond or for me to respond it just doesn't hook so right. finding a reason why giving them and so you know yeah. it's finding the credibility pieces mm -hmm. and again and and that's why i think your book is such a powerful tool and again mm -hmm. i think you're i think that you can do what you did you did the opposite or you could do the opposite of what tim ferris did and i think tim is an absolute genuinely good guy who really understands his weaknesses well and has worked past them. I mean, he's, mm -hmm. you know, he's, he's deeply dysfunctional and as a result, he's become worth over a million, a hundred million dollars. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, he was, he wasn't directly after the money. I mean, money was always something that mattered because mm -hmm. it allows you the freedom and, and flexibility right. and decision-making, but, mm -hmm. but it was a byproduct of, of what he did. And he was just very clever at how to get through it. But what he did, right. of course, was, 
he blogged first, mm-hmm. built up the audience via blogging. Um, and then he released. Oh, yeah, which reminds me of a. Yeah, yeah, and then he right, and then he, and then and actually the the book. The same thing. Um, there's uh, another guy you should meet. Um, I've got paintings of his here. Oh, let me let, let me grab a couple books. Hold on. Okay. Almost there. All right. There we go. There we go. Sorry about that, man. No worries. All right. So, um, so this this guy right here, his name is Hugh McLeod. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he's a, he's a great guy. He's a, he's a, um, a mensch in Jewish terms. He's a mensch. What is that? You know, he naturally does cool things for people. Um, a mensch is a, is a combination of connector and advisor and insider. And um, is always looking for ways to do good for other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, but he, he was this cool guy. He was a, so, Salty guy. He hates people. He hates life, mm-hmm. uh, and at the same time, he loves it. Uh, and he was in the in the late '90s. He was working for an ad agency in New York City, hired right out of college, type thing. Mm-hmm. And um, or, or mid '90s, he was a he was an intern, and then and he so he wasn't making shit. And New York's a very expensive place to live if mm-hmm. you're not making money. Yeah. So he would go from his whatever his you know thirtieth floor office down to a little bar down in the base of his, of his um, a building. Mm-hmm. He would nurse a beer all night, you know, so he'd grab a beer and nurse wow. it all night. And he would take business card blanks, um, kind of, because he, he, he was a storyboard artist for, um, and writer for these advertising agencies, okay? Mm-hmm. So he's good at making very succinct little illustrations and stuff, but he just scribbled like crazy. So he started scribbling and he made, like little characters like this guy and, and others. Um, and most of his stuff looked more like this, more like just gibberish, uh-huh. but had philosophical ideas with them. Okay. And so uh, the late 90s come around. There's a company um, that was looking to do, they, want, they'd, they had developed a printing technology that allowed them to print uh, a whole bunch of business cards with all unique content on them. Mm-hmm. Um, they're now called moo.com, mm-hmm. but back then they were just a, a fledgling startup, a print shop that had some new digital technology they were investigating. Mm-hmm. They licensed his scribbles from him and philosophical ideas from him. And, uh, that's where I first met him was 99 in that I bought business cards from them and, and got him, you know, got us okay. Mm-hmm. And then later on, when I started another company, uh, richcontent.com, I went to him as well and got him. 
and in the meantime, what he had done is he started doing blogging. Um, he was living in London at that time, also for the same ad agency. Okay. And he found a haberdasher, somebody that makes suits and hats. And he went into that guy's suit place. He couldn't afford a suit, but he felt he could exchange. So he said, I will do social media for you. I'll do a blog for you. Not just out of that, but I'll do the content for you weekly mm -hmm. to get more traffic to your fledgling website mm -hmm. in exchange for a suit or suits. So he did that and it yeah. became, and that became one of the, you know, one of the most successful uh, companies in that part of London for that, you know, for the suits, doing custom suits. Mm -hmm. And, and he was also doing his own blog. And then, and then one night in it, he's like drinking whiskey and he's almost blackout drunk. He does a 30,000 word rant on, on um, how sucky it is to have a job, how it, it, it pulls the life and the spirit out of you, how it's not worth it. You can't, you know, you couldn't pay him to go punch a clock. Mm -hmm. Um, and what happened was it got, it got, I forget, it was like, you know, a few hundred thousand views in the next few months. Okay. And just, just a one post, right? This one, he wrote 30,000. His other posts were getting a little bit of traffic, but yeah, it was great. So, so what happens is, uh, is, uh, um, I can't remember if he contacted the publisher or publisher found him mm -hmm. because of all the activity going on and got re referred to him because of the blog. Mm -hmm. Um, and they said, we think that's a book. Um, they paid him in advance anyhow. Okay. And so he got an advance for the book mm -hmm. and he published it and it, you know, it's called evil plans. Okay. Right. Um, and it's just, a, it's a fantastic book. Okay. Very, you know, very succinct. And all it is, is a, it's the fricking blog post pulled into chapters and, and then he, he does his, his funky little, um, who was this? Uh, this is, Oh, Penguin. So Penguin, you know, is a big publisher. Right. Uh, business type books. Yeah. Um, and so, and this so every page or every, every chapter has, you know, one of these, um, you know, that's what, is, that's what a yeah. business card would look like or an illustration on a business card would look like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's just a weird, you know, he's got weird shapey guys. Okay. And, and, um, and uh, this was uh, mid 2000s. Okay. okay. Yep. So now he's got, uh, so what happened? So this is great. This is where it can go. Mm -hmm. Like, hold on tight. Cause this, this is, I mean, it was amazing to me to watch it because I was, um, I did the, I, I did some media and PR for this. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, uh, just gratis. Cause I loved what he was doing and mm -hmm. I read the post, you know, before it became a book and, and I just love that kind of, so I love the, you know, rags to riches. I think we all do there. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, so he started doing these illustrations. Well, um, he needed to monetize it because you don't make money. You can't get, it's very difficult unless you're super lucky to make money as an author. But that doesn't matter if you create enough momentum, you can be a speaker. And the book is again, you're, you know, I, I think I, I shared yesterday about how, how um, my friend David Merman Scott, right. mm -hmm. you know, had done a PowerPoint that, you know, right. And it failed and made it a PDF and it became a book. Right. And David does very well now. He, you know, he's a, he's a seven figure speaker now. Yeah. He, and a super he nice guy. And really smart, super right. nice guy. He's also, yes, he's, yeah, exactly. And he was right. He was dragged into it. And, um, but it was, it was, he was giving away content for free for years, finally compiled it into a, a, a PowerPoint, mm -hmm. the presentation, the projector failed. So he PDF the PowerPoint, which had all his talking notes on it. Mm -hmm. so there weren't like 
if you if you took a you know if you if you get the book um you know uh presentations like steve jobs or i think is what the something like that name mm -hmm. you know he'll show that you know in steve jobs says one object on a page one word or a very short three word phrase you know that kind of thing right mm -hmm. so the presentation secrets of steve jobs yeah if you take a look at that it's, a, it's actually a pretty decent book okay um but but that that um you know, he got 80,000 downloads, you know, promoted it and got, uh, got over 120,000, got the advance, made the book. The rest is history. You know, he does really well. Well, Hugh McLeod, in a very similar fashion, Hugh does the, you know, does the book, gets going. He's literally screen printing by himself in his garage, living in near Austin, Texas, or outside of Austin, West Texas, um, in the hills in a little town. And, um, and he's basically, he's turned each of those, what would be a business card image into a, a piece of art you hang on the wall. I've, I've bought a dozen of them. And, and uh, cause they have, they have cool, they have good philosophical messages that he's composed about how life works. So, so that, so now he had a product that he could sell based on what he inherently does. So that's, you know, it's very much a passion project, but he started making okay money doing that. So he no longer had to punch the clock uh, doing, you know, he didn't have to do any consulting to, to advertisers and the rest to keep the lights on. And then he, he was trying to figure out what to do next with it. He did a very short podcast. I think he only has seven episodes. Um, Gaping Void. So gapingvoid.com is the website and Gaping Void is the podcast as well. And you can hear he's just a curmudgeon and, you know, um, but he, but he also hired a, a, a friend who's a seasoned CEO to kind of help coalesce what he's doing into something really valuable. So what they did is they started, they got a contract from, I believe it was Rackspace was the first tech company that took them on. And they said, we need a corporate philosophy. Cause, cause what, what he had up, he put a, he put an e-commerce site up selling those framed prints, limited series, like 500 or 300 or hundred so that they added value to it. And then they were all, you know, they came with a certificate of authenticity and, and those kinds of things. And he had framed and unframed and, and it was great. And you'd pay 145 to 350 bucks, as much as about 650 bucks outside of some really ones that got a lot of traction from his book. Those might go for over a thousand and he might only do a couple of hundred of them. But, uh, but it was certainly enough money to make him a living. But, but to expand it and make it into a business, not just something that might burn out at one time. Um, when you listen to Scott uh, Galloway, Professor Scott Galloway, talk about like vice is now doing a, a tv series or you know a, a video series with him he's got um the pivot podcast he's got prof g podcast and he's got a couple other projects going on he just sold his company for 134 million he walked away with around 30 million but uh and i i just think he's he's awesome in his communication style and he's just flippant and cool and fun but figured out how to how to take it. He says, here's the deal, man. He says this on his podcast. He says, I'm white hot right now, but I know I'm going to be bird feed in the next you know, few years. So I'm doing everything I can to take advantage of this, you know, this moment because he's also built technology businesses like Red Envelope and some others. And uh, L2 was his last consulting venture. And he's seen how like Red Envelope, they were taking it public. He was going to get rich. He was looking at buying a, a Gulfstream 650, you know, G650 jet. And then 
literally the bottom falls out of the market in 2008 and he suddenly below broke starting from nothing. So it's important to recognize momentum and take advantage of momentum while you can, you know, the market just fell apart here, of course, and it, and we're seeing repercussions worldwide, but, um, and thankfully, thankfully we're in an industry that serves people who to help them keep from getting sick as well as repair themselves, you know, post sickness and those things. So I, I think, I think cross fingers, We'll be fortunate and, and make it through this, hopefully not scathed. We've seen sales come up, um, which was not expected. So, but we don't know if that's just a, a, a what do you call it? The, you know, the government payments, you know, people got their 1200 bucks and decided that they needed some vitamins or if, you know, or if it's people going, I, I better do this or I'm going to get, because we're more expensive than a $2 mask. Um, so anyhow, but so, so Hugh packaged the business up and turned it into a culture business. So he went from a philosophy, right? He went from a rant, from a drunken rant to an art gallery that sold philosophically rich things to a, a culture business. And culture is big and large companies want to establish a sustainable culture so that they retain great talent, so they do better work. So everybody's speaking the same language, you know, it's, it's, um, that, that's really the inherent strength in a great company is the philosophy, the underlying philosophy. Um, we have a real, we have a real simple one. I'll share it with you sometime, but, but, um, what he did is he, that, you know, they, they started getting these big clients like Microsoft and Rackspace and others who called them in and would pay them 75,000 to a quarter million dollars to sit in a room for three or four days with their executive staff and figure out what the philosophies are. What is the, you know, what are the phrases that represent the company? And then they got artwork and he got the ability to also sell that artwork. So they paid him good money, six figures to help them come up with, you know, it, it basically would be like a brand strategy if it were, if you were, you know, Scott, Scott G, but, um, they turned it into a, a nice sustainable business that does very good revenue. They still have the art gallery, but now they've expanded it to make it even bigger. And they have their content instead of having to sit with a bottle of whiskey and try to come up with something philosophically deep, rich and, and influential, their clients bring them the content. All he does is he scribbles, characterizes it, makes graphics that make sense for them and then spits it out into products. And I don't mean that that's super simple, but it's what he's able to do and it's, it's magical and he does great products. And, and I think it's a neat example of somebody taking a very raw idea of, well, I kind of know we didn't even, it wasn't called social media back in 1990s. It was blogging and he took blogging and kept moving it forward until it was so much more than blogging. It was, you know, it was, it was company culture and building artifacts for company culture that are sustainable that people can look at and go, Oh yeah, that's what we believe, or that's how we work or 